Hey, everyone. It's Alan Schimmel, DevOps.com, and you're listening to another DevOps Chat. We've got a two-for-one for you on DevOps Chat today as we're joined by the Marketing Brain Trust at Aqua Security, none other than our good friend and frequent guest on DevOps Chat, Ronnie Osnat, and a first-timer, uh, Andy Fite. Andy, Ronnie, welcome to DevOps Chat. Hello. Thank you. Hi, Alan. Great to be here. All right. And I should mention that. That Ronnie, that was you with the first hello, and Indy, that was you with the second. So our audience can tell who's who a little bit. Um, so guys, let's let's first talk about Aqua Security. You know, this this whole container space, Kubernetes, Docker, microservices, serverless, it it is accelerating and it's in takeoff and accelerating. And Aqua was certainly one of the first. You want to call it container native? I don't know if that's a word yet. Maybe that's a word, a, a term we should coin right now. Container native security companies that I knew of in the market. So I imagine it's it's been some exciting times over there. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, it's been a a, a very fast train ride. Um, amazing growth. Um, you know, the, the the enterprise market is adopting these technologies very rapidly. Although I would say that you know we're still in an early stage of the market in terms yes. of widespread adoption, right? So we're, the, the the companies we're dealing with, it's a very, it's a growing number of large enterprises, but they are still with the teams we deal with within those enterprises are still you know kind of leading edge in most cases. Yeah, but you know what? I'm we're seeing container adoption at least in enterprises. I I you know I I don't know as much about the SMB market. But in the enterprise market, container adoption is, is, I mean, the adoption rates are phenomenal. What I suspect, though, guys, and tell me if I'm wrong, is that it, it mirrors the cloud adoption, which was also, you know, in a similar path. So many of the Fortune 500 and the Global 2000 adopted cloud, but yet probably under 10% of their critical infrastructure was in cloud, right? It was... It was more of a toe in the water than a headfirst dive. Yeah, I think that's a good point. You know, as, as you know, Ronnie was saying, you know, the, the you know we're definitely seeing accelerating usage. What we're seeing is is organizations more you know on their next generation applications development. They're moving to containers, potentially containers as a server, uh, you know, containers as a service, and even you know beginning to. Uh, experiment with you know some of the serverless technologies, but you know there's still a big bulk of their you know their applications that are on old school legacy uh, platforms. And when they move to the cloud, they might just be going there you know in a in an infrastructure model. They're putting it on on a virtual machine, but they haven't made the the whole move over to cloud native. But that's changing. I mean, if you were developing a new application today, it's most likely going to be on one of these modern architectures. Sure. Sure, I don't, I don't disagree at all. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll add to that just one thing that, you know, you, you see it's, it's, it's true that, um, you know, overall, if you, look, if you look at the total, you know, number of workloads or applications that companies are running, even the early adopters in containers are still running a relatively low percentage of their applications on containers, the serverless and other, other cloud-native technologies. Um, but in terms of, you know, mission criticality or whether it's internal applications only or, or customer facing applications, then, you know, we're, we're absolutely talking about um, a lot of mission critical stuff. You know, one, one of our customers, for example, is a very large 
uh, a well-known brand in the entertainment industry, and they uh, they run applications that include things like revenue management and digital rights management and stuff like that on on, um, on their container infrastructure, which is on 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 public cloud in VPCs, but still public cloud. So so that's an example of you know of a, a, very, a very large company that's not you know too shy about running applications uh, uh, on, on these applications on containers, and of course they they do their uh, their utmost to, to secure them properly. Sure, sure. So well, let me get right to it then, guys. Talk to me. What what what's new at Aqua? You know we haven't had you on the show in a while. We We've run some stories on DevOps.com, Container Journal, Security Boulevard, but why don't we give a quick a quick update for the audience? Tell me, you know, what what's been happening? What is some of the new news at Aqua recently? Yeah, I think um, you know one of the strengths of the company, you know, having been an early leader in the space, has been our broad platform support over time. You know, as we, we, we were early, obviously on Docker, but you. Know, you also, you know, one of the first recently to support Cryo you know, from, uh, from Red Hat. And, you know, we continue to expand our platforms. And there are two interesting recent announcements that I think your audience might be interested in. And one was just a couple of weeks ago, uh, late September, we, we had an announcement with Hitachi and where their, um, their, their enterprise cloud container platform and the, the basically, um, you know, their cloud service for, for containers is including aqua out of the box so when you when you subscribe to use this you know in a lot of a lot of mid-sized or larger enterprises where they want somebody providing a managed service for containers they don't want to have to run it themselves so turn to somebody like Hitachi and um, we made a big effort jointly with them to, to include multi-tenancy capability in our product that was announced earlier this year and it allows for these MSPs to um, to host a, a, a number of customers manage it all from one centralized console keep all the data and policies separate and you know, you know, it's 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 a significant new entry into the market, and um, and the the other new news just this week was our support for um, for the Pivotal Cloud Foundry system, and and basically, um, you know, we we had a few different pieces to that, but the press release was uh, discussing, you know, it was launching our new capability, uh, general availability of scanning capability for. Uh, you know, p- pivotal droplets, if you will, and uh, that's a, a, their idea of container images. And um, you know, so so we have that on their pivotal network, so you can download it and run that you know, very very easily. A lot of what's happening in this space is how do you make this more accessible and uh, easier to implement? Yeah, I, I, I think there's a. I'd like to elaborate. There's a, the bigger the bigger picture is that as Kubernetes uh, specifically as kind of the uh, the pivotal, no, no pun intended, but the pivotal component in the cloud native space, you know, the, the thing that everybody kind of um, um, hinges on to orchestrate and manage their their applications. Kubernetes is, you know, is, is getting adopted as, as the de facto standard. And, uh, but there are many ways uh, to consume or build using Kubernetes. And, and this is where the market, this is how the market is evolving. And, and I cannot emphasize enough how huge this market is going to be. And so the, these modalities of how people use Kubernetes include 
uh, cloud-based offerings, you know, from all the major cloud providers, GKE from Google, AKS from Azure, EKS from, uh, from Amazon, that are all managed um, clusters of Kubernetes that you can run on, on those clouds. Um, and the benefits there, of course, is that things are already kind of set up for you. Um, they, they are more secure by default because they, they, they do take care of some of the aspects of uh, authorization authentication, controlling access to the cluster, to the master node and the cluster. Um, but as it is with the shared uh, responsibility model in the cloud, they will not touch your actual workloads or how, you know, what code you're running there, um, how you network uh, the applications in your clusters, et cetera. So that's one mode. Another mode is you can run things on-prem and use one of the management platforms, and they can be pivotal with you know, PKS or uh, Red Hat with OpenShift or one of uh, the dedicated uh, pure play, uh, players like, um, like Rancher, who are doing mm -hmm. a fantastic job. Um, and of course, and there are many consulting firms that can help you set up your Kubernetes. And of course, you can also do it on your own. Although I would have to say that, you know, in most cases that we see, you, you need a very good reason why you would build a vanilla Kubernetes environment on your own. Um, because it's not easy to do and it's not easy to do well. There's a skills shortage out there. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a pretty, it's a pretty, a big undertaking to do that. So most people go into one of those or more than one of those uh, managed offerings. And, and so when we look at it as a security vendor, it's our aim to support all these modalities and make, uh, make the security component consumable in a very easy way, right? So, um, so that's what we're doing with Hitachi where we're embedded into their offering. Um, that's what we're that's why we're supporting things like PKS and Rancher and OpenShift that we've been supporting for a long time. Um, and that's also why we've announced earlier um, this year um, our, the availability of our, of our software as, a, as a, an on-demand consumption-based uh, product in the um, Kubernetes apps marketplace that Google launched. Um, and this is something that allows people basically to you know, run GKE nodes on demand and then have those nodes secured as part of that cluster uh, and only pay for what they actually consume or what they actually run, you know, per minute. Uh, uh, or, or actually, it's not per minute, it's per, uh, it's per is it per minute? No, it's per hour. Per hour. So <laughs> it's per hour, not per minute, per hour. But, you know, still. Um, and so the aim is really to... Um, make this accessible to everyone. And, and this is where you see, you, you can see either, you know, application groups within larger enterprises that, you know, don't need to set up the whole infrastructure right now. And they're happy to consume things on Google Cloud or, or other clouds. Um, and you also see SMBs that are, you know, uh, getting into Kubernetes, uh, you know, not, not small businesses, but, you know, uh, mid-sized businesses that are getting into Kubernetes. And then they can enjoy the same level of security as the enterprises. Sure. Sure. Um, so, guys, I, you know, listening to you talk, Ronnie, I'm, I'm kind of reminded early on before there was a cloud, I had helped start a company in what they called the ASP market, application service provider. And what was what we found daunting was, though, is that you can't support everybody's, you know, platform. So you do a Hitachi and you, you do the next guy and the next guy and the next guy. 
What about the sixth one, the seventh one? The, at some point, there's got to be a, you know, this is why they invented APIs and stuff like that. There's got to be a standard connector that allows you to plug and play without customizing for every one of these platforms, no? Well, the beauty of it is that Kubernetes itself is, is open source. Right. So it is standardized. So all the stuff we talked about are flavors of Kubernetes. There are some differences, um, but those differences are not at the core. They're, you know, in the, in the, in the peripheral areas, like, you know, how you connect or how you authenticate. It's not the actual physical uh, part of, you know, what the cluster looks like, how you run nodes. All the mechanics of these things are the same. You know, people use, you know, the, the API server on the node, etcd, um, kubelets, and so forth. So it's all, the, the, the internals are identical. Uh, and so there are some tweaks we need to make, for example, to make our stuff run on the cloud, uh, the managed cloud offerings, or on uh, Pivotal, um, or on OpenShift. Uh, but the core remains the same. So that's, that's the beauty of it. And I think standardization is improving as opposed to the other way around. So, um, And I, I would add you know, that we're seeing more and more enterprise customers move towards a multi-cloud model. They're, they're, you know, very few of these bigger companies are saying, oh, I'm only going to be on Azure. I'm only going to be on AWS. Uh, you know, they're, uh, they're, they're running things on-premise in, in platforms like Pivotal or you know, VMware and and PKS and and they're they're running things on multiple clouds because they want that flexibility and leverage frankly on the pricing models to use the right cloud for the right application and so um, I don't know that we'll ever you know we, you know we will continue to add platforms really based on you know market share and 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 demand from our customer base but we're definitely seeing you know there's a there's a big market out there. And a lot of vendors are going there. So I think you will see more platforms from us. Uh, you know, we're not ready to, to name names, but, uh, you know, we're, it probably doesn't stop at six or seven you know, over time. It, it probably grows to even more. I, I, I agree with you. You know, and, and remember Microsoft said Lotus, well, Windows ain't done till Lotus don't run. <laughs> they embrace an extended open source. Not today's Microsoft. This is the old Microsoft. But yeah. still, it goes to show you if every single person takes their open source, takes open source, and puts their own little twist on it. Before you know it, you you, you don't have very much open source, right? And 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 you know that I think is a danger that you need to watch as a we need to watch as a community, right? That it's not embraced and extended to death here. Otherwise, you you know you think of Unix and all the different right. flavors, right? And, and by the way, we ourselves also have some open source offerings uh, for Kubernetes uh, users that are, uh, you know, very well adopted now, and, and are actually, you know, also uh, get some contribution from the community. So it's 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 real open source, um, and they are around security. But they're you know tools that we could that we felt we could uh, provide that are not really, you know, tied to anything. They can uh, operate independently, so that there's no interdependency with anything that we do commercially. Um, and those tools are Kubebench, which has been around for a while. It's basically an implementation of the uh, CIS benchmark tests. So it, it runs all the CIS benchmark uh, for Kubernetes tests on your cluster and gives you a report. 
and that's very widely used. And uh, more recently, we, we open sourced a tool called Cube Hunter, which is a penetration testing um, tool that uh, simulates attacks, attacks known, known attack vectors on your cluster. Uh, there's currently about two dozen uh, attack scenarios that it uh, employs, but, but members of the, communities, uh, of the community are adding more. And um, it actually works in two modes. You can run it externally or remote uh, on your cluster. So it simulates a, an external attack and you can also run it within a pod in your, um, in your cluster. And then it simulates the situation where someone has already penetrated your cluster and is attacking it from within. Um, and this has been also very well received and uh, both are available on GitHub uh, you know, slash Aqua security. So uh, people are Excellent. welcome to try them out. Excellent, excellent, excellent. Guys, uh, let me, we're, we're running over where I wanted to be, but we, I wanted to discuss KubeCon, the upcoming KubeCon conference, December 10th, or yeah, I think it's December 10th through the 12th or 13th out in Seattle is, is this year's North American KubeCon. I know Aqua and are teaming up with some folks and doing something special. Why don't you tell us, tell our audience a little bit. You bet. Um... Yeah, thanks for bringing that one up, Alan. Uh, we are uh, planning the very first, what we're calling CubeSec Enterprise Summit, so Kubernetes security uh, for, for enterprises. And the idea here is, you know, obviously a lot of people have been going to KubeCon and, uh, for, for a couple of years now, and uh, there's, there have been sessions there about securing it. And, uh, but the focus here is on people who are actually deploying in production or looking to deploy in production and are dealing with things like compliance issues and the challenge of making sure that they're fully protected. And so this is aimed at you know, mid-size and larger companies, people who are really talking about rolling out these cloud native applications in production and how you do that securely. And we've got a great agenda plan. So we're, we're doing this along with the CNCF. Um, we're co-located in Seattle at the convention center um, uh, the day before uh, KubeCon opens. So our event is on the, the 10th. And you can actually register for it right on the, the, the KubeCon, CloudNativeCon website. You can add uh, the, the CubeSec Enterprise Summit to your, to, to your, to your uh, badge and, and, and registration. And we'll be doing an event. The, the focus of this is it, we're doing it in conjunction, first of all, with, with Amazon Web Services and also with Red Hat. So it's uh, you know, three of us hosting this event, but it really isn't a vendor event. We're, we're striving right now, we're, we've got an open call for papers and presentations going on. We're striving to get the voice of the customer here. We're, we've got a number of committed customers at this point. Um, you can see our agenda live on, uh, you know, it's linked from the CNCF site. But um, you know those customers are talking about their experiences in the real world implementing Kubernetes in you know a secure manner and you know everything from best practices integration with other applications cultural shifts I mean the whole move to to DevSecOps and and how do you structure your organization in order to deal with security around these new tools and you know everything in between we'll be having some panel conversations and uh, bringing in third-party speakers industry analysts so it's going to be a great event uh, it's it's uh, an all-day event on that you know Monday before the show officially kicks off but for those people who are going to KubeCon it's a great way to get an enterprise perspective on security and I'd love to have you know your uh, your, your listeners join us for that Absolutely. I think you may have me join me. 
join you for that. <laughs> Absolutely. So, I'm looking forward to that, Alan. <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll talk more about it between now and then. And again, that's December 10th, uh, Monday of KubeCon week out in Seattle. Um, guys, you know, we're, we're all on overtime here a little bit, but I just wanted to kind of wrap things up. Um, another big story or trend that I'm seeing is a lot of people raising a lot of money in, in this DevOps, modern software space, if you will, modern software development space. You saw JFrog, you know, raise $165 million last yep. Uh, GitLab a couple weeks ago, $100 million. Companies are getting bought. Uh, uh, oh, the mobile application. Perforce bought uh, a mobile Perfect. app. Perfect. Perfect for mobile. Yep. And that's another day. I know you couldn't talk about it even if you could, but a rising tide does lift all boats. Where where's this leave Aqua? <laughs> um. So, you know, at the moment, uh, we, we had a very nice uh, B round last year um, of 25 million. Um, and, you know, we're, we're currently not looking for additional funding. Um, we are in a space that's a bit crazy right now in terms of uh, investment. We, we know that. And, um, you know, if we feel that we need to raise more cash, and I'm, I'm, you know, I'm sure we'll be able to uh, yeah. at some point. Uh, but right now, you know, we've grown very nicely uh, organically without, you know, burning too much cash. So we're uh, we're on track as far as we're concerned. Good for you. You know, a smarter man than me once told me the time to raise cash is when you don't need it. But um, <laughs> anyway, um, Ronnie Osnott and I just, Mr. Fight, I drew a blank on your first name. Andy, come on, Andy Alan. That's all right. For thoughts, <laughs> thoughts with an A like me, and I forgot, but I'm old. You have to excuse me. Andy <laughs> Fight, Ronnie Osnott, uh, Aqua Security here with us on Dev, Dev, uh, DevOps Chats. Guys, thanks so much for joining us. Let's do another catch-up, certainly before KubeCon and KubeSecCon, and we'll, we'll talk more about that and continued success with Aqua Security. Thank you very thanks. much, Alan. Yeah, thanks, right. Alan. Ronnie, Andy, have a great day. This is Alan Schimmel for DevOps.com. You just looked into another DevOps chapter.